We're here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hey. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, we are looking at the surprisingly interesting career of Kirsten Dunst. Starting as a child fashion model and making her feature film debut in Oedipus Rex, Woody Allen's entry in the 1989 anthology film New York Stories, Dunst has done a lot of different movies. She was a vampire in Interview with the Vampire. She starred in Lars von Trier's film Melancholia. She was even in Jumanji. But despite three Golden Globe nominations, Dunst has also had her fair share of criticism after her poorly received performance in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. So today, Greg and I take a look at her career while at odds with each other. I like her, Greg does not, so this should make for an interesting conversation. Is Kirsten Dunst a good actress that is tied to the unfair title of bad? Would she be better suited in a comedy rather than a drama? Is her name pronounced Kirsten or Kirsten? (laughs) Let's find out. (laughs) So where do you fall? Kirsten or Kirsten? I think it's Kirsten because I've been saying it for years Same. and nobody's corrected me. Um, but it looks like Kirsten. It looks like Kirsten. So I don't know. I, I, I just I, I feel like we need to figure that out because I don't want to be calling her K Dunst for the whole podcast. <laughs> K Dunst. K Dunst. Yeah. So let's talk about Miss K here. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. K Dunst. That's like her yeah. her pop like- career name. Exactly. It's like calling uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman push, you know, push doesn't really work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You should have heard the original intro where I was like, so a few weeks ago, we were having a a meeting and we got into the discussion of Sam Raimi Spider-Man and Greg was like, oh, Kirsten Dunst is my favorite actress of all time. (laughs) No, I was like, "Eh, (laughs) and he was like, no, we need to do a podcast episode today, like now. And I was like. I was being a team player, so I said yes, so let's talk about Greg's favorite actress of all time. <laughs> oh, dear God. Kirsten <laughs> Slandering my name. <laughs> no, I don't hate her that much. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but, but you don't yeah. love her that much either, do you? No, no. <laughs> this was tough. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to record this, like, what was it, like two or three weeks ago, and you were just like, hey, yeah, I keep falling asleep during the movies. <laughs> Yeah. And I understood it too. Like when you messaged me, I was like, you know what? Me too. I could probably pay a little more attention to, you know, some of her stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still didn't get through as many as I intended initially, but I feel like I've made up my mind. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's fair too, because I was, when we like, um, decided to take another week i was like you know what like now i can kind of get through more i didn't watch a single movie uh, after that like i I just kind (laughs) of got to a point where i was like i'm finished now um and i I started watching one of her movies last night and i got through about 30 minutes of it and i went you know what no like i'm not doing this tonight we're gonna i'll i'll read i I would rather (laughs) yeah fair fair like i i sympathize with that yeah, so going into this, you you aren't the biggest fan of Kirsten Dunst, right? You're kind of... No, I, I just find her, like, really uncharismatic. And I'm surprised that 
at one point she was positioned as like the Hollywood it girl. Cause I just never, I never saw it. I just don't, yeah. I don't get that from her personally. Yeah. And I know that I think some of this is coming from the fact that you're a huge Spider-Man fan and, uh, she's, you know, she's very meh in those Spider-Man movies. Yeah. I don't think it's her fault there, but yeah, yeah. she doesn't, she doesn't really scream Mary Jane to me. Yeah, that's true, and I, I think that'll be interesting to get into, because I haven't read the comics personally, so I'm excited to hear your take on how yeah. that character maybe should have been played. Because, um, I mean, I've kind of just learned everything I know about Spider-Man from the Tobey Maguire movies, so... Hey, it's a good yeah. good place to start. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm so surprised where everybody's like, oh man, the, the Amazing Spider-Man's gonna be great because he has web shooters. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, Yeah, that, I guess that is strange. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, all right. Um, but yeah, so I kind of felt similar to you. Like, I can understand where you're coming from, but I do like her. I just, I never really think, I, th- I think that she kind of lacks a screen presence sometimes. Um... You know what I mean? Like, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, she was in that. Yeah. Kind of forgot about her. It's you know? like, especially around really great actors, it's like this whole meal with these delicious parts and then just like kind of like a slice of toast there. And you're like, <laughs> like, yeah, maybe I'll have some toast, but it, that's not what I'm going to pay attention to while I eat. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like when you order wings and you get that little piece of like celery. And yeah. You're like. I mean, maybe if I'm hungry after, I'll I'll get to that. But I'm, yeah, I don't really want to end <laughs> off the meal with celery. You know, like it's kind of dipped in ranch dressing. It's like maybe, but I don't I don't know, man. I don't I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> a she's, piece of toast is a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. She's never stood out that much to me, but I think I notice her style more after after this i can Mm -hmm. i can appreciate who she is i still don't think she's an it girl like i don't i don't (sighs) buy her that way at all but no not really yeah i i I see that too because i also think that um she's the type of actress where she can be good but i think she needs like the right material and maybe the right director the right Mm -hmm. you know the right the right part basically um someone who gets her tone and exactly yeah her performance range 100%. Hundred percent. I think Sofia Coppola kind of does that a little bit because they've worked together. I think three times. Is that how yeah. many times? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and I think they work together really well. So I'm excited to talk about them because I I like their how they work together and I'm actually surprised how much I actually like Sofia Coppola's movies. Um, Same. I don't know why I I, I didn't know if I would I think the I think it's because my first impression with her was the bling ring which I I just didn't really dig, <laughs> um so I'm glad that I've watched like four of her other movies and I've liked all of them um, yeah I so, definitely after yeah. this this watch the biggest thing I took away was like I need more Coppola in my life yeah I, I want to watch all her movies now oh same and then also I got to watch her dad's movies too because I have not seen like i don't think i've seen any of his movies which is really the godfather no no i've never seen the godfather Ooh. i think I, I think i tried to watch it when i was like seven and i'm like well this is kind of pointless because <laughs> you know i'm not really getting the whole thing you know yeah <laughs> like, why don't i go back to you know watching i don't know like barney or some shit like i think that's a little <laughs> more my speed 
um, <laughs> you know, when you're seven years old. So. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, let's get into it. Let's get into her career. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're first going to talk about her career as a younger performer, which entails Interview with the Vampire, Little Women, Jumanji, Small Soldiers, The Virgin Suicides, Drop Dead Gorgeous, and Dick. Um, just that kind of period of her life, basically the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when she was first kind of starting out, um, yeah, so you, you watched Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. And what did you think of that? I thought, like, okay, I just, I didn't like the movie, which is kind of a disappointment because I remember thinking it was good because I watched it probably some Halloween as a kid, but yeah. I was just supremely bored the whole time, except by Kirsten Dunst creepy ass performance as this immortal child yeah yeah i think i was reading one of the reviews that roger ebert did or something like that and he was like she does a really good job playing an older character Mm -hmm. that is trapped in like youth for eternity and not even like like you know the kind of youth you would dream of it's like youth where you can't do anything and you're just kind of you have nothing exactly yeah like she's not even like 18 or anything where it's like oh maybe that would be kind of fun you know like this is like she's like i don't know how old like nine ten or whatever where it's like no one's gonna treat her with any respect even though she's probably older than everybody else yeah so she's she's she played like adult trapped in a kid's body really well which yeah, is surprising. It's, it's interesting seeing how she was in like the Spider-Man movies, and it was interesting having that idea of like she's not the greatest, like she doesn't have the greatest screen presence, and then seeing her in this movie where it's like I know if I saw this in theaters back in '94, I think it came out, mm-hmm. I definitely would have seen it and gone, yeah, she's got a bright future. Like she is really, really, really solid in this movie and really good. Um, yeah, I guess. With with that in perspective, it does make sense why the industry got kind of obsessed with her for some time as she was getting older, because she showed so much potential there. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, like, looking at her 90s movies, too, like, she does have a lot of charisma in these movies. I, I think um, some of these are definitely her best movies. I, I think... Yeah, I would consider, like, all of these to be... Or, or most of these to be on, like, her top 10 best like i didn't see all of drop dead gorgeous but i think that movie is kind of like it was it was hilarious what i saw of it was about was pretty hilarious i saw them maybe like the first 45 minutes or something like that on a plane mm-hmm. i think once um oddly enough <laughs> but yeah it was kind of like a mockumentary like a christopher guest kind of thing about like oh. a uh like a what, what's that thing like a miss america kind of thing like that kind of beauty pageant right um and that one, and it had a young Amy Adams in it too, which was interesting because I'm like, wow, this movie's got like so many fucking young people in it that, you know, I've went on huge. to do great things. Or yeah, um, Denise Richards was in it too, I think. And I gotta watch well, that then. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I gotta watch it too because I didn't finish it, but um, but she definitely showed that she had a lot of potential because that was a comedy, and so was Dick, which is about Watergate. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to get to that, but no, Dick is really funny. It was, um, it was kind of like Dumb and Dumber, like you know how Dumb and Dumber was two idiots basically get involved in a in a crime scene, like kind of thing. Like they get involved in like a in like a kidnapping and a ransom type situation. Yeah, 
this was like two ditzy girls that get involved in like the Watergate scandal. And, <laughs> okay. You know, with, with Richard Nixon. That's clever. Um, yeah, and it had like a bunch of people from Kids in the Hall and um, oh. SNL in it, so it was kind of nice, you know. Like Will Ferrell plays like one of the reporters trying to crack down on the Watergate scandal, and it's interesting because it's like, why, why the fuck is he playing this role that like <laughs> Robert Redford played like twenty years earlier? It's like, yeah, <laughs> just take the reins from Robert Redford, why don't you, Mister Fucking Ricky Bobby? Just <laughs> I don't know. It <laughs> was funny, funny to see that. So, um, it, was she funny in it? Because that's that's one thing that she doesn't have very many comedic roles. I didn't know Dick was a comedy. Otherwise, I might have prioritized that more. Oh, yeah. No, I would definitely give that a watch um, even after this because I do think it is a pretty funny movie. And it's a movie everybody's kind of forgotten about it. And no one really talks about it. Hmm. Um, then again, you never really hear. I, I think with a title like Dick, I don't think a lot of people are going to you know, rush out to see that. Like, yeah. Hey, what, what were you watching last weekend? Oh, I was watching this movie called Dick. And then I watched those Dick. two people. Yeah. <laughs> those people stopped talking for a little while. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, she's really funny in it. And she's in it with Michelle Williams Mm-mm. from, you know, Manchester by the sea. Yeah. Which is just crazy because, She's gone on to become like a really serious actress in like My Week with Marilyn and what was that show Fosse Verdon or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, so she's flexing her more comedic abilities there. Yeah, it was funny too cuz I think in the 90s Michelle Williams did a bunch of like kind of like you you can tell that she definitely took a little bit to get into really good movies, you know, like mm-hmm. she was in this and then she was in Halloween H2O, so... Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta cut your teeth at some point. Yeah, you gotta you gotta start somewhere, you know? I mean, hey, George Clooney started on, what was it, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or whatever yeah. the hell it was called? Yeah. yeah. You gotta start somewhere. Um, and this was a good role. They were both... Because, you know, it, it could easily be that they're trying too hard, but this is one strength that I think Kirsten Dunst has, that she has... Really good comedic chops. Um, yeah. yeah. I noticed that later on, too. And it's something that she gets underused for because I feel like a lot of her roles kind of boil down to just like this sad, you know, lady, basically, mm-hmm. a lot of the time or like dissatisfied. But yeah. she's pretty damn funny. Exactly. Yeah. Like we'll get into bringing on in a little bit, but she's really funny in that movie. And, and the thing is, too, like she's not. She is really funny, playing kind of like the ditzy character too, but I mean, you need a good comedian to, or a good, just a good actor to take a comedy and ground it by being the center and being like the straight, like, Mm -hmm. character in that, like, um, what would you call it? Like Jason Bateman, something like that. Right. Where, yeah, he's usually like the guy who's like, all right, I'm... The, I'm kind of the center. I'm kind of the the guy who's kind of pulling everyone down back to earth. Yeah, the jokes this. are going to bounce off of him. Exactly. Yeah, and he's a funny dude. Like, I mean, he he and he can play the crazy kind of character. I mean, you saw Dodgeball. I saw Dodgeball. Yeah, he's <laughs> what's he's his name? In that? In that. Yeah, Pepper Brooks or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, that was that was a funny one. So. um 
I think I think that she definitely could have been used in some comedies later on in her career. Um, kind of playing that character who's you know kind of pulling stuff down, and I think that she did later on, like with on becoming a god in Central Florida, because she's definitely you know the the least wacky character on that show. It seems like so. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but bringing it back to Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, I I like her chemistry with uh, Brad Pitt in this movie too. I think that they were interesting to see together. Yeah, um, but her and Tom Cruise, like, holy fuck, that was fuck yeah. Was, she was, was good. She was so evil, but like kind of in the right. Like, I yeah. love that. I was waiting for for Tom Cruise to get killed that whole movie. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely my favorite part. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that was yeah I, I i gotta be honest that was kind of surprising to see that and to like it as much as i did because i i remember talking to you before watching it and being like oh how's interview with a vampire and you went kind of a bore kind of yeah so i was kind of worried when i started to watch it um, right but then i enjoyed it i enjoyed having okay, it good. um it wasn't it feels like a movie that's not as epic as maybe it wants to be. Like, I feel like it kind of just doesn't really feel all that epic when mm-hmm. maybe it should. So, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of uh, that's kind of one thing where I was like, yeah, this feels like it. It feels like a like an epic movie in like a very kind of lame story or the other way around. It feels like a very like whatever kind of story, but in an epic movie's body. Yeah, like the so, scale of the production is so big, but the story doesn't warrant it that much, you know? Yeah, it feels pretty small because, I mean, like, considering what happens in this movie, it, it feels like Brad Pitt gets bitten by a vampire. Drifts around for two hours. Yeah, and yeah, skip 30, 40, 100 years into the future. And then there's like a cult like a yeah. European vampire cult, and then it just sort of peters out. <laughs> yeah, and it was just kind of like, all right. And that's the thing, like, when she came on screen, I felt like she added a dynamic to the movie that was, like, just really needed because it is fun to see Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt interact on screen mm-hmm. for, like, five or ten minutes, but after a while, you're like, okay, look, if this is going to be the whole movie... Uh, like count me out you know like i need a little more here so she definitely brings something and this was her first uh golden globe nomination so which is crazy she held her own with like two of the biggest stars to this day like she brought more energy and like interesting qualities to the movie than they did i mean they were good they were really good but you're right like we needed something else 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah. No. For sure. And I, I really love her in this movie. And you know, if we can, if I could relate this to like a modern day movie or something like that, it kind of reminds me of like the Nice Guys, the Shane Black movie, right? Um, with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, who have great chemistry in it. Mm-hmm. But the girl who plays Ryan Gosling's daughter, I, I, I don't know how you pronounce her name. It's um, I think it's pronounced um. Angori Rice. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but you know, she's now like she's gone on to do great things. She's in the she was in the Beguiled actually, and she was in the she's in the new Spider Man movies yes. playing Betty. So Yes. Um that's something like 
if you haven't seen Interview with the Vampire, but you've seen the nice guys, that's the kind of energy that Kirsten Dunst brings to this movie is that she just kind of steals the show from two of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, which is crazy because she was, you know, how old? Like, <laughs> she must 12? Have, like, yeah, no older than 12. Like, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, because this came out, what, 94? And she was born in 82. So, yeah, she and they definitely, I mean... It came out in 94, but they shot it earlier than that, I'm assuming. So Mm -hmm. she was like 10 or 11. So that's nuts. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of mind boggling. Yeah. yeah, Now we know that she's a star, but when that came out, I can see why it was a hit. Oh, yeah. From that perspective. 100%. Yeah. I I really dug her, um, her performance in that. And... I know you've seen Jumanji, so what do you think of her in Jumanji? She's pretty good, but it's definitely like I, I she's not what I take away from that movie. I yeah. Think. Um Yeah, that was definitely not like I just think of like Robin Williams in that movie. Yeah, that's the thing too. And that's the, the before I rewatched it was I was thinking about who was in that movie and there's like the four main people there's robin williams there's bonnie hunt there's kirsten dunst and then there's i think the kid's name is bradley pierce who's the younger brother of mm-hmm. kirsten dunst i remember the younger brother more yeah than i remember her but i i rewatched it and i think it's i think it's just as simple as she just doesn't have much to do in that movie no like in my head i can remember her like screaming at some jungle stuff and just yeah. generally being like, you know, like a solid kid actor, but mm-hmm. just that kind of. Yeah, she she never really stood out in that movie, and I th- I think with the I, I think it's just the fact that I just don't think they really gave her all that much to work with. No, it um, wasn't her story. No, and it just seemed like you know they gave a bunch of stuff to Robin Williams, they gave a bunch of stuff to. Bonnie Hunt, and then they gave the kids some stuff too, where like he got turned into a monkey or some yeah. shit, and and then he was like, you know, crying, and he had some nice touching moments with um with Robin Williams, and I just feel like they just didn't really develop Kirsten Dunst all that well, you know, like they just kind of, I, I feel like she just has the least to do in that movie, yeah, um, but you know, she she's solid, she's not bad, it's yeah, just, it's definitely not her fault there. No, no, not at all. That's the thing that I kind of started to realize about her as we were doing this. Is I, I was, I was finding it weird because a lot of the roles that she's really good in are surprisingly kind of challenging roles. You know, like they're not like super easy roles to play and do well. Like, I mean, we'll get into mo- Melancholia, and yeah, Marie Antoinette, but I don't think those are the easy roles to play, and she does a really good job with those. Mm-hmm. It just seems like these movies where she's maybe just kind of doing whatever and she's not doing a lot. She doesn't really stand out all that much, like Spider-Man or yeah. Jumanji. Or... She doesn't bring a lot more to a character who doesn't have a ton on the page, if that makes sense. Like, if the character is written with a lot of layers, she'll she'll convey all of that. But if it's written as just, like, you know daughter whose brother turns into a monkey like then that that's what you'll get <laughs> you you read my fucking mind um yeah literally what i was thinking exactly what you just said um it's actually freaky how how 
how much of what you just said was <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's very true because I, I, you know, she's not, she's not like a, like a Charlize Theron where I feel like you can give her like, you're playing the wife in the scene and she's going to stand out because she just, she just has something about her where you're like, Charlize Theron was really good in that scene. Yeah. It's like she, all she did was stand in the background. It's like, yeah, but like she did she it so well. She brings something to the standing though. You know, she, there was some, there was something about the way that she was standing there behind yeah. somebody else that was really like, ooh, I didn't know what to think there, man. I just, yeah. really touched me, you know? Or like a Daisy Ridley who like, like yeah. her Star Wars character, Ray, there's nothing on the page. She's just like a scavenger. <laughs> But every scene she's in, she just, like, brings this, like, tenacious energy and, like, more layers than, yeah. than is there. I don't That's think, a really good point. Yeah. I don't think Dunst does that so much. But, yeah. like, like you said, when I, when she has a heavy, heavy role, she'll, she'll nail it. Yeah. That's what I find interesting, too. Um, where it's like, okay, like, I gotta, she knows what's at stake. And she's like, okay, I gotta bring it. So she and she'll bring it, but I think on something that's a little bit more like, eh, you know, you're you're the manic pixie dream girl. She's <laughs> gonna play a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, like, that's gonna be that. You know, um, I wouldn't say she's phoning it in, but you know, she's not really bringing all that much or breaking any new ground. Um, yeah, she's doing what's required on the page. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of goes into when she doesn't have that much of a screen presence is I don't think that she really, you know, brings everything that she maybe could to every role. Um, and I'm not saying like she's lazy. I mean, maybe she just is like, I don't know what else to bring here. So before we move on, um, let's talk about the virgin suicides. Yeah, I think that's a good example of another character she plays who has all these layers underneath. Yeah. And there's not there's not a ton. I'm, well, I guess there is a lot, but not explicitly. Like they never yeah. say, you know, these girls are depressed because they're overly sheltered. But mm-hmm. you get that a hundred percent by from the beginning to when she's acting out. Hmm. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I remember seeing this. Uh, I think I saw this about a year, year and a half ago, and yeah, I remember it pretty vividly because it, it's it's a really really good movie and. Um, I was shocked how good of a movie it is. I was like, mm-hmm. kind of was blown ex- away by it. Yeah, I was expecting just like typical kind of young adult, you know, like something like The Fault in Our Stars or something. But this was this was really heavy, and the way yeah. the daughters are presented as like kind of these from the beginning, they're just these like ghostly figures, always looked at from from other people who can't really fully get close to them. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And that's the thing I found so interesting about this movie is it feels like, I, I mean, like, it's been a little bit. So, I mean, I, I know I just said I remember this pretty vividly, but there are a few details I don't quite remember. But it's kind of told from the perspective of, like, the neighborhood kids who are, like, watching them from afar, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I liked about this is that it was it was kind of told from people who were looking at them from afar and weren't really super close with the family didn't really know them personally yeah trying Um, to understand like what could go wrong in this seemingly perfect family yeah exactly and then it's interesting too because this is this is like this goes into what i was saying earlier about like a hard role um a challenging role they're 
there's not a lot of dialogue that she has in this movie. Like, she's pretty, you know, she, I, I, I feel like this movie didn't even have that much dialogue to begin with because I'm trying to remember it now. And I think the person with the most dialogue in this movie was Giovanni Ribisi, who's narrating the fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> um, it's actually interesting. I was watching, I was listening to Sofia Coppola on uh, Mark Maron's What the Fuck podcast. Um, for this she was saying she um she read the book and loved it and heard they were making a movie so she read she, she wrote a script and then just like asked if just showed it to the producer or whatever the fuck and they were like yeah you can you can make this um that's awesome and i was like that's that's so crazy how did she do that and then i remembered oh yeah she's francis ford coppola's daughter so i yeah. feel like people are gonna kind of be like oh yeah no absolutely yeah you want to produce too you can do that too if you want um you know was, you was do, this her first whatever. like major motion picture uh yeah this is her first movie i think that she um first feature length movie she directed damn um, yeah. She has a really strong style from the get-go. Because watching her stuff with Kirsten Dunst, I started to... I never really noticed Coppola's work that much. But I watched the, her three Dunst movies in a row. And oh. right from Virgin Suicides, you get this like dreamy, kind of like music video type of style. But I mean that in a good way, where... Mm-hmm. instead of using just like a traditional scene that escalates and then has a conclusion she does these these little moments she focuses often on like a moment something you see so yeah i i like yeah. that a lot about her work and it it really suits dunst i can see why they work together a lot oh yeah 100 percent. i i really like how her style just kind of complements kirsten does acting and vice versa i just I love how it works. Um, and then also, she followed this movie up with Lost in Translation. Like, that is a fucking one-two punch, man. That is, yeah. that is like, Virgin Suicides, Bill Murray's best performance, and then just, just what a fucking director. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, though, about um, Dunst and Coppola, like, working together, how, they're, how their style just is. It's just great. Um, yeah. I can't put my finger quite on what it is exactly. Maybe they just understand each other and so they get the best out of each other. But 100%. And yeah, I, I kind of like that you can't really put your finger on it exactly because it's, I don't know. I, I, I think with some people, like they, I feel like some directors, they make movies and then other directors, they make art. I That is the most college boy fucking shit i've ever fucking said and i hate that so i kind of hate myself for saying that but um but you have a point because like when a, yeah. when you're directing um a commercial for example like you are you're just doing your job and you're technically very skilled and you can be very good at directing a commercial but when it comes to this like there's a lot of rules that even coppola breaks uh but yeah, it works for no, the art for sure yeah and that's something that i liked about um about the virgin suicides there's a style to her to it that i really enjoyed and that i was like uh it's, it's kind of different than anything i've ever seen before and i like that i'm not just seeing you know oh la di da yeah oh did you hear about the neighbor down the street who killed herself what that's crazy like i'm just i'm glad it wasn't like this you know just the just the average everyday thing because the movie itself is pretty fucking weird you know mm-hmm. like even the title, The Virgin Suicides, you're like, what the fuck is that, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I remember. I think I think my like dad walked in. And he's like, "Hey, what are you watching?" And I was like, "Oh, The Virgin Suicides." And he was like, "Yeah, okay, that's weird. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to watch that." Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I think it fits. It's fitting that um that there is a uh, a different style to it. Hmm. Definitely a very strong focus on emotions without outright saying them because these girls basically aren't allowed to to communicate and when they do they're they're you know put in their room and and punished so exactly yeah yeah, yeah that it's a good uh view of oppression well mm-hmm. not a, not a good view of oppression but like a good uh, well conveyed <laughs> <laughs> yay this, oppression no um, this is a model to study it's a great view <laughs> yeah um it's a great example um yeah. all right so let's move on to some of her bigger roles and supporting and leading leading and supporting roles and in, in the 2000s basically um i think this spans from 2000 to 2008 so this entails bring it on get over it sam raimi's spider-man trilogy mona lisa smile eternal sunshine of the spotless mind wimbledon Elizabeth Town, Marie Antoinette, and How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. How do you think she kind of transitioned from being this uh, this young star who's kind of rising to being kind of like the well? I guess we know that you don't really see her as the it girl, but but that's how that's how uh, they tried to market her. Yeah. So how do you think of the time of the movies that she did when they were trying to make her you know stand out as the it girl or the. See, this the is, next, you know, Julia Roberts or whatever the fuck they were trying to do. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what they were going for, I think. Yeah. I don't think she pulled it off well because out of this era, I like two of her performances. Like, two two of them, I think, are really great. Um, Marie Antoinette and Eternal Sunshine. Yep. The rest, I just... Maybe it's my bias, but I just don't find her that interesting to watch. Like, to me, she's way more of a supporting character. And when when you give, when you put all this on her shoulders, especially bring it on, no pun intended, I guess, put it on her shoulders. Um, but I just don't, I just didn't want to follow the character. You know who I thought that movie should have been about? Who? The, the Compton School really that would have been so interesting that like the to follow this like less well-off school with a smaller budget who doesn't get recognition for their talent having their routine stolen by the rich you know preppy school that is the story to me not these like spoiled kids who like i don't know i don't know i I, i'm gonna be honest i kind of disagree because i i did really like her in that movie i did really like her in bring it on um but you do have a good point um, because that is an interesting thing. I don't know. I kind of liked that the, the story was like kind of the other side of it where I didn't, I never felt like they were a bad school or, or bad. Well, I mean, a bunch of people in that school were fucking assholes, and <laughs> idiots and pieces of shit. But I kind of liked Kirsten Dunst's performance in this movie because I felt like she was, kind of dealing with the fact that she was expected to be this way, but she didn't really quite know how to handle it. And then she Mm -hmm. had this big idea of, you know, responsibility being handed to her with being the captain of the cheerleading team. And then, you know, injuries happen. The routine is, turns out it was stolen. So 
Right. You know, how do you solve that problem? I don't know. I, I, I like that, but you do have a good point because, I mean, it would have been interesting to see, like, Gabrielle Union. I think that was the actress. Yeah. Yeah. To see that. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that, that kind of would have been interesting. And I don't know. Maybe Kirsten Dunst would have had an opportunity to kind of play, like, a villain or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I thought I thought every scene with Gabrielle Union's character like I was just super engaged and then everything landed, everything she did. Um, I, I, I just wasn't as interested in Dunst's character. I don't even, I didn't think she was too funny. I get what you mean though, that her, her role is compelling in that she's, she comes from a privileged place, but wants to do the responsible thing. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a good angle for, mm-hmm. for that story. Yeah. Um, it might just be because I'm I'm also put off in general by like that hyper two thousands aesthetic. Like every needle drop, every song in that, every outfit, I'm just like rolling my eyes, which is not the movie's fault. They're tr- they're trying to make this teen movie for that era, but to it's, me, as yeah. as someone who wasn't a teen then, to me, I'm like, <laughs> who acts like this? Who says that? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is a very, like, teen movie because, I mean, it's very early 2000s because, like, right off the bat, it's so high energy and then they start playing, like, a fucking Blink-182 song and I was like, okay, yeah, so I'm in for an early 2000s teen yeah. comedy. Yeah, um, you know, just waiting for the 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 jam session in the empty fucking swimming pool. Like, that's, yeah. then, then we're going to be full on, you know, some 41, baby. Let's get... Let's get it going. Um, yeah, I think the thing also, too, with her that I liked in this movie is that this is, like, where she was kind of playing the straight. She was kind of playing it straight. Like, she wasn't really, like, the funny one. Like, I feel like this was, like, her Jason Bateman moment where she was, mm. like, the... Because I feel like everybody in this movie is so fucking nuts and crazy. And then she's the one who's kind of bringing it all down to earth. Like, the fucking guy who's... Spirit Fingers, that guy, that was... <laughs> <laughs> okay, he did make me laugh now that you mentioned that. He did. He was very serious about his spirit fingers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that was um <laughs> That whole that whole thing, like this whole movie though, I, I, I definitely get what you mean because right off the bat I had to turn this off and be like, hang on, man, like I don't know if I'm I can do this. Like this it started off and I didn't like it at the beginning because it was so high energy and I was like <sighs> Can we just can we just cool it the fuck down for a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, and then her boyfriend is like really annoying in this movie. Like he's got this smile on his face that looks like it's like stapled on. Like it's so he looked like he had so much Botox. Like I was watching this with my girlfriend and we kept joking like that he can't move his face. He's like a forty year old high schooler with just like. <laughs> stretched face <laughs> i imagine it was like they, the casting director was like hey look you're you're great you're great but you're just way too old for the part and he's like <laughs> and he 40 came back. and they're like yeah <laughs> like 40 and they're looking for like a guy who's like 20 and looks 18 and he's like oh i can do that just give me like a week and then he got a bunch of botox and was like hey i'm ready now i'm ready um <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's kind of what this felt like um it made me want to watch, and I did shortly after, it made me want to watch uh, Clueless and Mean Girls, because I was looking forward to bring it on, because I remembered yeah. it better than, than I enjoyed it. Um, and so I'll just, uh, in my opinion, Clueless and Mean Girls are better versions of this type of high school story. 
I would I would agree. I would agree. Um, this one was because I because Mean Girls is like pretty memorable, mm-hmm. um, and Clueless, you know, if quite just as memorable, if not more so. Um, and they seem like realer examples of teenagers. Exactly. Yeah. So it's hard to say um, with this because this is this. I mean, this is definitely like a different kind of idea. I kind of like the opening where it was, you know, um, it's like the most like foul mouthed uh, <laughs> cheer I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> I would never fly at a high school. <laughs> well, yeah, I swear I'm not a whore. I was like, whoa. Um, and then I was like, is this a dream sequence? Because that's the only thing yeah. that makes sense. Because yeah, that's what it seemed like. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I this is one that I enjoyed, but I definitely think that um, it's not going to be rewatched a lot, you know. Um, Which is a I shame. Have, yeah, I have the DVD, but I think that'll be you know that'll be I don't know that that'll be when I'm drunk and where I'm like oh it's I haven't seen this in a while, you know. <laughs> I will say I appreciate cheer is an over the top thing. The movie's over the top. So hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Um, I do like her chemistry with Jesse Bradford in this movie though. And mm. I don't know. I also, the thing of two about Gabrielle union, I like that she wasn't just like a villain. I like no. that there was a little bit of a relationship there where they kind of like, they maybe didn't like each other, but they respected each other. Yeah. I like that. And then also her her chemistry with, like, Elijah Dushku was, like, kind of sweet, too, where they just became, like, BFFs, and you're like, wow. like Yeah. Eliza Dushku is my favorite part in that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, she was, like, the bad girl who was <laughs> trying to become a cheerleader. I like to pretend she's just the same character from Buffy, just, you know, switching high schools. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't even know if I've seen her in Buffy. I haven't seen that much Buffy, unfortunately. But oh man, we'll definitely get to that. We'll do a Buffy retrospective, hopefully. Do we? Is there anything that we need to add to Spider Man? I mean, it's kind of you know. yeah. She does her best work in the third one. I think she gets more to do. There's more 100%. of a clear like she's having struggles with her career that Peter just doesn't even try to understand because he's so full of himself exactly i think that works she conveys that well and it highlights sort of what she's best at in her performances is sort of that deep dissatisfaction kind of with like expectations and how people are treating her oh yeah 100 percent. yeah i um i really like her in the third movie because i feel like that i genuinely felt bad for her and i was you know because i'm always Look, I love Spider-Man. He's probably my favorite superhero, and I'm always going to be on his side. But, I mean, then again, just don't be such a fucking asshole of a boyfriend, for fuck's sake. You yeah, know? Like, he's just, just so tone deaf. Yeah, like, fucking idiot. Like, yeah, <laughs> kiss kiss Gwen Stacy in front of her, just in front of everybody, why don't you? Like, what Do your iconic kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, man, that was... It's so frustrating. That was hard. Yeah. Yeah. But no, she definitely, I think in the third one, she definitely gets more to do, but. The I think first thing she's, she's awful. Just like the damsel both times and yeah, supposed to be this it girl. And I just don't buy it. She just seems kind of like mopey and shy. Yeah. I don't really know why 
Peter's like into her. It felt very like kind of like fourteen year old boy where he was just like, "Oh, she's hot. I want to fuck her." You know, like that was kind of the whole yeah. like, reason. Yeah, and he was mistaking it for being like in love with her. Where I was like, I think you're just, I think you're just, just like you a know, pent up virgin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what maybe go out with gwen stacy maybe you guys need a little more experience here i mean all she's dating is like flash thompson in the yeah clearly you're her type (laughs) yeah (laughs) terrible but um yeah spider-man 3 definitely she kind of starts to kind of go off and do her own thing and i actually i enjoyed that quite a bit Mm -hmm. um and then that's the thing too like in the first two spider-mans i just i just don't really get why they like each other or why they're into each other yeah, I don't get the chemistry. Yeah, it it seemed like the it definitely it seemed very like middle school kind of relationship where it's like I'm shy, like I I like you, ooh, I like you, and then like they kind of get to know each other. It's like yeah, we have nothing in common. We just I think we just think each other are attractive, and that's kind of all it is. Yeah, yeah, but I will say, speaking of relationships, Eternal Sunshine, man, oof. I mean, great movie as it is. Um. I don't think we can really add a ton to that conversation because, I mean, I think everybody knows how good of a movie this movie is. Yeah. Um, but Kirsten Dunst shines in this. Yeah, she's really good in this movie. Um, I remember getting, like, the screen, like, the shooting script for this movie from the library mm. and reading it and being like, oh, my God, this movie is fucking, like, this is great. This is a great movie. And it's just so interesting to, like... To see that kind of character and how it's written and be like, okay, like this is a really interesting character who is discovering that she's been a victim of this procedure that basically they're both going through at the mm-hmm. same time. Um, and then again, and that's one thing too, where I'm like, because I feel like when you hear the plot of this movie where it's like, oh, you can like basically erase your mind and forget about like a love that you've lost and whatnot. You're kind of like, well, like, wouldn't you be reminded of that somehow, you know? And that's, right. I think, this is kind of the point of the movie where, like, I mean, that's kind of the point of the ending, I think, too, where they kind of are ending up getting together anyway, and it's kind of just going to be a cycle of, like... Yeah, without those lessons, you're not going to move on. Like, you're never going to grow. Exactly, and, like, like, that's the thing, too, where, like, if you just delete history, it's going to repeat itself. Like, you can't just forget about stuff. You have to, You have to learn and you know grow from your mistakes you can't just be like yeah i I just want to forget about that and move on because that's that's what's going to happen again you know Mm -hmm. you're not going to understand that and i think it's it's really it's a really tough role to do because she's the person who's realizing that she's gone through this whole thing before yeah and now she's going through it again yeah she's being taken advantage of by someone with power which is like a very very sad and true thing that happens Oh, yeah, uh, especially, you know, like guys like a doctor and he's got, you know, a family and whatnot. And it's just like, fuck, man. And then, yeah, I, I just remember reading the script and being like, this character is so interesting. And then Kirsten Dunst just nails it. Like, yeah, this was the first time I was like, OK, maybe I don't hate Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was one. I feel like everybody in this movie shines like, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Ruffalo and Elijah would have limited screen time, but they're both really fucking good in this movie. Yeah. There's um, not a wasted character. No, not at all. And I would honestly say, I think Kirsten Dunst has one of the best performances in this movie. Like 
I mean, obviously, I think, like, Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey are the best. Like, there's no denying that. Yeah. That's the whole center of the movie. But, like, if it was top three performances in the movie, Kirsten Dunst would be number three. Yeah, she'd be right under there. I mean, there really is... You can tell there's such a deep internal world there between with, with that character. And even though you mm. don't see it all, that could have been a movie on its own with the other thing being the background story. You know, you could reverse it because there's so much there's so much there. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely there definitely could have been, um, <laughs> you know, you could have reversed it and it would have been Spotless Mind of Eternal Sunshine or some <laughs> shit like that. And that would have been about her. But uh, yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. Like Jim Carrey's character could have been like the side character where it's like, OK, like, you know, um, Let's focus on Kirsten Dunst and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Might be more of a memento kind of thing. More of a memento. Yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Um, this is definitely one of her best. And I, I love her in this movie. I, I'm, a sh- I'm, I'm upset that I didn't get to rewatch this for this. I, I didn't really get around to it. So. Same. Yeah. I definitely will be soon. Oh, yeah. So will I. I got to. My girlfriend's wanting to watch it with me. So I'm sure that we'll sit down i don't i don't know why she wants to watch this with me to be completely honest because it's not really a happy you know romantic comedy um, no have the <laughs> tissues have the tissues nearby i will i think i think she's just like there are cute moments in it and i'm like yeah that's that's true there are some cute moments in it um it's beautiful but in a sad a beautiful, way yeah <laughs> let's maybe skip over the sad shit you know let's, let's skip <laughs> over the fighting and whatnot let's delete those memories away oh, <laughs> <laughs> get what you mean uh, alrighty <sighs> Wimbledon this should have been called mediocre man wins everything despite being terrible <laughs> it's so who bad is, who is the lead guy in this again Paul Bettany right Paul Bettany I've could never hated anybody. him <laughs> I, it could have been anybody else and I wouldn't have made any difference I, I don't remember this movie that well um we didn't watch it that long ago (laughs) no it's a mess of a script that just keeps relentlessly introducing characters and plots that go nowhere yeah and and no struggles no real growth just sort of i don't know it's bad (laughs) yeah and the thing that really pissed me off about this movie is that it's so pointless like there was one part where he she she's leaving because her dad wants her to focus on the tennis match. And he's like, but we got to be together. And she's like, we can be together just after the tournament. And yeah, I, I, I just didn't really understand what the issue was. Like, And then, you know, he ends up like sneaking into her house and, you know, into her bed and like sleeping with her one night. And um, she ends up like getting distracted and losing and then she's all pissed at him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on her side. Like, I don't I don't really know why he couldn't have just waited. Like, yeah very odd that this movie is just taking things and going oh it's a problem when it's really not an issue yeah you know yeah like, like the fact that he do- he wants to retire but like keeps <laughs> playing and winning constantly even like like there's not a moment of tension in his career he just will win he doesn't lose a single match <laughs> yeah it seemed like the issue was he was like oh i'm getting in my head a little bit all right I get in my head too. Like I uh, make but, you don't see them making a movie about me. <laughs> That's Fucking the thing hell. too. It's like I'm getting in my head, and then he just shrugs it off and it, and overcomes it every time. There was no <laughs> no stakes. Yeah. 
And let's talk about the style of this movie. This movie was so stylized, and it was like it was hard. It gave me a headache after a while. I was I was laughing so hard at the end when was it like the planet became a tennis ball, um, because like the world is tennis now. I don't what what <laughs> didn't make any sense. I like how you said there was like a nuclear subplot that became like super like. It became, like, really important or something at the very end. It was like, what? The living shit. This doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. yeah. And then Sam Neill was in this doing an American accent. Like, what stupid shit? Like, Why would you do that to such a beautiful voice? I know. Man. I don't think Dunst was bad in it, but she definitely oh. got dealt a terrible card. Like you said it best when we were watching it um not what would it what does it change that she is also a tennis player they don't use that at all they just kind of at the end they're like oh by the way she won too like she's an accessory to to his success yeah it just doesn't make any sense because it's like i guess the only thing is is that you know she has to leave at one point and say oh well we can be together after the tournament put it like but that didn't matter because they were together matter. anyways <laughs> it would have made so much more sense if it was like i don't know maybe she was like a reporter and she was getting like a job at like she had to cover like a bigger story or something like that and the story had nothing to do with tennis like she had to be on the other side of the world or something because then yeah. yes you cannot be together <laughs> and then they cannot be together and then it will and it's not like that they can't be together but it says it's hard to be together like that would have been more interesting like they gotta yeah Maybe there's like only one. Maybe it's like different hours. Like maybe like um, what what do you call it? Like jet lag or whatever the fuck. Where it's like time zones. Yeah, time. Literally the easiest thing (laughs) to think of um, wouldn't come to mind. Yeah, like could have just been different fucking time zones, and it's like oh man, now it's really hard to talk. That would have been more interesting than just oh, I got to focus on tennis right now, but I want to fuck now. Like that's so stupid. I. I, I couldn't really get behind his character because I'm like, you're just kind of a selfish asshole. So yeah. I don't really care for you all that much. No. I, the only thing that would have been cool was if, and I don't know how Wimbledon works, so I don't know if they do like like um, co-ed tournaments, but that would have made that interesting is if they had to face off. Yeah, yeah, I remember saying that. And yeah, like what we were talking about that. Like, yeah. It would be a really interesting thing where it'd be like, yeah, what if it's like, they're both the best at the game, and they have to beat each other. Yeah. That's kind of the most, like, <laughs> that would be the most interesting thing. And that was, like, I was thinking that during the movie. Like, oh, that would be interesting. But then it's like, oh, they, they're they the same gender, so they can't they can't do that, apparently. It's like, well, it's fucking stupid. Like, Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Also, what is it with, like, tennis movies? Like, I don't know, man. This it would seem like the most interesting sport to make movies out of, you know? Yeah, I don't um, know. Borg and McEnroe was good. I like that one with uh, Shia LaBeouf. That was a good one, but, like, I don't know, man. I'm not, not a big... <laughs> I don't think it's the sport to be making movies out of, you know? It's not just, that exciting. It's like making a golf movie, you know? The only good one is, like, Happy Gilmore, which is literally, like, kind of making fun of golf. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, Wimbledon sucks. 
Um, Wimbledon I, sucks. I, I I will say I don't know who wrote this. It's on Letterboxd. I was reading some of the reviews. It is the greatest review I've ever seen for a movie ever, and it was one word for the review for Wimbledon. Just said Wimbledon. <laughs> Wimbledon. Wimbledon. It made me laugh so hard. He got like half a star. Whoever wrote that review, if you are listening to this, you are a king. I owe you my life for writing that one word. <laughs> that is the greatest thing I've ever read. Yeah, I wish um, we took that advice. I wish we took that advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you didn't see Elizabeth Town. Um, you didn't miss much. No. Um, no. Manic Pixie uh, Origins. Yeah, this is this wasn't the first time a Manic Pixie Dream Girl was on film, but it was the first time somebody saw it and gave it a name. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the movie, like, somebody, I, I can't remember the reviewer, but they saw this movie and was like, oh, she's playing, like, a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, and that's where the name Manic Pixie Dream Girl started. But, right. um, yeah, no, I, I, she's fine in this movie. It's, it's just, this movie is so, I, I wrote a letterbox review for this movie. Uh, it was the first one I ever wrote. What a piss poor movie <laughs> be your first review. But I, I started it off by saying something like, this movie feels... More like somebody else made a Cameron Crowe movie than it felt like Cameron Crowe made a movie himself. <laughs> like, it feels like the very, <clears throat> it, like, I just right when this movie started, I knew what was going to happen. It's like, okay, guy loses job, depressed, ha, father dies, meets girl, visits family, realizes what life is all about. Lives happily ever after with his new girlfriend and with a better relationship to his family. Like, I was like, it's the most Cameron Crowe movie <laughs> as Cameron Crowe can get. Um, <laughs> the most Jerry Maguire fucking shit I've ever seen, you know, just. Um, right. Yeah, I. it just, there's, there's really no, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the movie. It's one <laughs> of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's fine. She's likable. I was like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, she, she if she's a manic pixie dream girl, then she just kind of exists as like this fantasy person who yeah. fulfills a, 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 a male character's need. Exactly. They really got to write the manic pixie dream girl better, though, because I can't stand the fact that like Orlando Bloom, like I get it. He's going through some shit. His dad is dead and he lost the job and he's feeling kind of suicidal, but he's kind of just being kind of a dick. And then the thing about the manic pixie dream girls, they never seem bothered. By people no. who are being dicks to them, which pisses me off because I'm like, you don't seem cool. You just seem stupid that you're not really yeah. like bothered by, oh, he's going through some stuff. Well, that's no excuse, you know? <laughs> like, come on. That's the thing is like that whole archetype is based around just like being exactly just like this fake creation of a man's fantasy. So yeah, of course she's like, oh, it doesn't bother me. I'm not really a person. I'm just quirky and I'm going to ride yeah. around on roller skates and have funky yeah. colored hair. I like the shins. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> I'm not like other girls. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, that's the thing too, where it was like, she gives them like a playlist at one point and spends like the most like so much time on this like adventure for him to do. Oh God. And it's like so stupid because she's like. Oh, you need to st- <laughs> on your road trip. You need to stop at this forest and dance, and then you see Orlando Bloom listening to headphones and dancing. And it looks, <laughs> it looks so stupid. She's so. exactly what he needed to let loose in his life. 
<laughs> Listening to indie rock bands from fucking Ohio. Yeah, just <laughs> ugh, terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> this movie's just so so whatever. Yeah, I've seen this movie like five times though because I've wow. seen the trailer. I've seen the trailer five times. So. Oh, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was really into Orlando Bloom's, you know, fake American accent. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, there's really nothing else to say about that. Let's move on to Marie Antoinette. Um, tell me how you felt about that. I thought it was I thought it was really good because, obviously, historically, Marie Antoinette is, like, an awful person who let an entire country starve. Um, mm. But I thought the way it was framed, basically, as, like... It's just this, it's a very young person given all this power and privilege and they don't know what to do with it and they live extravagantly and and there's so much opulence that Mm -hmm. I found myself kind of like, you know, obviously her and the, the, her husband, Louis are idiots. They don't, they don't know how to run a country. They don't know what they're doing. They're literally killing people through inaction, Mm -hmm. but I can understand the characters like they are such sheltered rich kids with way too much power and no guidance. Yeah, that's the thing I like, too, about this. At the end, it seems like everything got so fucking real Mm -hmm. at the end. This movie felt almost like a comedy for like the first like hour and a half. And then at the very end, it became like, hey, like all this shit has happened and people are fucking pissed and want you dead. And it was. It was interesting to see that because the whole movie, I was, I was kind of like, it didn't really, it, it never really came up. It seemed like it was all kind of distant. Yeah, but like they lived in this fantasy world. Yeah, and that's kind of what it's like for the characters because I mean, like, they're young people. They have all this power and no guidance, like you said. And I mean, can you really? I mean, yes, you can blame them, but like, can you blame them that much? Because I mean, they're just trying to do what seems right and you know all that well, they don't know gonna... what that means to do what's right exactly yeah and then when things just get too tough everything kind of comes in like real time just all at once and then it just kind of brings everything to a screeching halt and it's like oh fuck we we've ruined lives um, mm-hmm. which is something that i liked yeah shit got very real like for yeah. for the movie it's like at first, until that last moment, I was like, are they going to take it that far to the revolution? Um, and I was like, because I don't think these characters are sympathetic and I don't think they should be, you know, they should get off scot-free in this movie. Like, I don't want to see a yeah. happy ending for them. And yeah. so I was really sold on it when that revolution came. Exactly. Yeah. Like the revolution cam- came and I thought that that was really interesting. And I was doing a little bit reading of uh, of Marie Antoinette because I really don't know history all that well. I got to learn a lot more about it. But um, I mean, fuck, they were like beheaded. So, yeah, yeah they, they got a I'm kind of I'm kind of glad they didn't show it. But I like that it was um, like it implied. Was implied. It was. Yeah. Like it, it, it wasn't like we're going to show you. Kirsten Dunst getting her fucking head cut off. It was like, hey, look, she she didn't have a very good life after that. So you know, <laughs> you kind of understand that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, would you say this is one of her best performances? Yeah, I think this is another example, like uh, earlier, the Virgin Suicides, too, where she, I think she plays dissatisfied and and depressed really well. Mm-hmm. Um. 
But in this movie, you get a different angle of that because it's like, well, how does she cope? She has everything. So she's going to cope through opulence, through decadent desserts and giant poofy dresses. Like, that's all she has. So she's going to demand all of it. Exactly. And it's also funny because this movie feels like... Like, uh, we were talking about Pride and Prejudice earlier being like this, like the Joe Wright movie being like this really good, authentic, um, period piece. This one felt almost kind of like, I almost felt like it was actors dressing up, Mm -hmm. but it It, kind of felt like a music video. Yeah. It didn't feel like a real period piece, but I like that about it. I like that it kind of felt a little artificial and it didn't really quite, and then also the other thing is too. When she does period pieces, I don't think she puts on an older voice. She sounds like she's talking like Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. You know? I've, I, I, just, I agree. Yeah, because, you know, usually people people would talk like this in a period piece. But she just kind of sounds like, hey, what's up? I'm, I'm Marie Antoinette. So, Am dude. I saying that right? <laughs> Marie Antoinette? Twi- I don't know. I don't know. This is ridiculous. This is silly. You know, and I don't know. I like that. It, it It's... It makes it easier to relate, I think, because, yeah, it might not be historically accurate how people sounded, but mm-hmm. to us, it's like, okay, well, then I can, I'm on board with this character because I know that kind of person. I know this, this, who, someone who would act that way and speak that way. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of, like, The Great Gatsby, the Baz Luhrmann one, where they're playing, mm. like, fucking, like, Kanye West in, like, the 1920s or whatever the hell it was, where it was just like, why the fuck would you do that? It's so <laughs> stupid. But, um, this one, it kind of worked. Because yeah. they're playing, like, I Want Candy and stuff like that. And I don't know. I thought that this one worked a little bit better. Yeah. It fit It fit the the tone, I guess, Coppola was going for. It worked yeah. for me. Um, I'll get into a couple of the ones that she did like a little earlier in her career that were kind of forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's talking about Lucky Town, The Cat's Meow, Deeply, Lover's Prayer, Crazy Beautiful, and Levity. Um, I got through one of these movies. And then two of them I started and just couldn't get through. I couldn't get through The Cat's Meow and Deeply just because, like, The Cat's Meow is another one where it's, like, a period piece. Mm. And I just didn't really believe it was a period piece. Like, no one's acting like it's the 1920s or whatever the hell it is. And it just was, like, I don't know. Like, I just... It just took you out of it? just took me out of it, yeah. And then... What's his name was playing Charlie Chaplin. Um, Eddie Izzard was playing Charlie Chaplin, and I was like, that's a... It's a strange choice. It's a strange choice, yeah. And I think the director is critically acclaimed, and I think this movie was critically acclaimed too, but I just couldn't get into it. Hmm. And then Deeply was... I'm really pissed off, because Deeply I actually bought the DVD. I found the DVD of it, and I was like, oh, I gotta watch this, and I couldn't get through 30 minutes of it. Um, Deeply bored. Deeply bored, yeah. She shows up 20 like seven minutes into the movie and i was like jesus christ like can you the a quarter of the movie is done can you just come on screen already i've never missed kirsten dunst in my life so much wow yeah um but i will say lucky town um first off bad movie not good um but it's like a fun kind of bad okay and um that counts for a lot yeah, and I liked her in this movie. I think she has the best performance in this movie, and she's next to, like, James Caan and Louis Gosman. Guzman? Guzman? Guzman, yeah. Louis, Louis Gos. The guy from Punch Drunk Love. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all the other Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's in this movie, and he's he's good. 
But Kirsten Dunst is really good in this movie. She has like two scenes back to back that are very like very challenging for a young actress to do and she does them really well and she doesn't just do them like the typical well maybe she does do them the typical way that an actress would but then again I mean like I mean is there a wrong way to do an emotional scene when you feel invested you know like I felt invested right so I I think she did a good job um yeah and this movie I, I I would even honestly recommend watching this just as like a a fun bad watch because some stuff in this movie is so stupid all right like there's a like she just meets this guy at a gas station like this movie this script feels so like weird <laughs> and out of place like there's a part where she asks vincent Carthizer, who's in this movie uh the guy from like mad men or whatever he she asks him like hey what's happened with your parents and he was like this is literally what he says he's like you don't want to know about my early life when I was five, my mom left me and my dad died. And I was just like, so clearly you want to talk about it. I don't know why you took a second to go, you don't want to know about me. When I was five, my mom left me and now I'm sad. <laughs> like just very stupid. All right. That's going on my bad movie night list. <laughs> it's a good one. Have a couple drinks first. Um, yes. I think you'll like it. Um, now we're getting into the, kind of the 2010s when she was a little bit of an older actress, a little bit of a seasoned actress. Yeah, I, I will say I think she's improved a lot in recent years. May, I don't know. I, I like her more now that she's older. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the movies that we're talking about where she's starring in these movies are Melancholia, All Good Things, Upside Down, Woodshock, and Bachelorette. That's are kind of like the starring roles that she's done later on in her career. In movies. Um, we'll get to television in a second. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, she's definitely done a lot. And I, the thing that Sofia Coppola said about her that's really interesting is that she's kind of, she kind of looks like an all-American girl on the surface, but there's something kind of darker behind her eyes. Mm. Which I see, you know? Yeah. I, I like that because I don't, you know, like, we were talking about, like, how um, Hollywood kind of tried to make her the it girl. Right, but she really looks work. so typical. Because she looks so typical. But there's something about her that I don't feel like is typical. I feel like there's... And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, because I think that's actually a really good thing. I think it kind of prevents her from playing the all-American girl, because I feel like she... There's something there that just doesn't fit with being a typical all-american girl like i mean julia roberts young julia roberts could play kind of like the 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 young kind of beautiful pretty woman Mm -hmm. runaway bride that kind of thing because she could kind of snap into that but then she could also snap into something darker i feel like kirsten dunst has a darkness with her and i don't know what it is exactly yeah um i would agree sometimes i think sometimes that works with comedy because you know comedy is a kind of a platform for people who sometimes are are having personal struggles and issues like that and oh yeah it's a healing kind of thing but yeah comedy is definitely heavily influenced by by a darkness absolutely absolutely a lot of the best comedy oh yeah absolutely um but yeah so melancholia what are your thoughts on uh on her performance in that it's so good this is it's amazing (laughs) Like this is this is everything that she's been good at in previous movies that I love, The Virgin Suicides, Marie Antoinette, but taken all the way. It's like we were just saying with the with that darkness that she has, mm-hmm. 
this is embodying that deep, not just despair, but disconnect from the world. That's my favorite aspect of it, where, like, there's this huge world-ending event happening, or even just the uh, the event of her marriage, and she's completely, she feels nothing and is mm-hmm. just completely detached from it all, and she plays that so well. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful movie, movie yeah. but it, it, I, I feel despair after it every time. Oh, yeah. How many times have you seen this one? This was my second time. I have rewatched that last scene a few times and the very opening scene a few times because i i think those are really beautiful they're like they're like a painting in motion uh but the yeah in terms of all the way through i i've watched it twice oh yeah yeah i i've only seen this once um you know lars von trier is a guy i've <laughs> you know he's a, he's a hard guy you can't really do like a deep dive he's not like scorsese where it's like hey let's do like a binge you know yeah um, you got to be I, careful with a Von Trier binge. Yeah, I, I think I, you know, when I was a young, stupid kid, um, and what I, mean, what I mean by young, stupid kid is last year, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, got all those movies from the library. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the binge, you know? And I watched Dogville and was like, fuck me, I need a week before <laughs> I can even look at another person, <laughs> you know? Because that was, that was a lot at once, you know? Yeah, I was like, yeah, maybe let's let's throw on Dumb and Dumber, not Antichrist, right after this. You know, I don't need to, <laughs> let's not hop into that yet. The um, Lars von Trier challenge. Yeah, but I like how this movie Melancholia. I like how it feels like two separate movies. Like it feels like the first half is the wedding, and the second half is like the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's interesting because I just feel terrible for Kirsten Dunst's character, who's clearly a woman dealing with depression, anxiety some mental health illness that you know maybe we don't even know about and people either don't care or like shut the fuck up no one just shut up just have a good time for fuck's sake yeah they ask her so so many times like are you happy yet like why aren't you happy and she wants to be obviously who doesn't want to be happy like it's so not her fault yeah and i just feel terrible for her in this movie and then this movie also just gets so weird because i think Yudo Kyer, I think that's the guy's name. He's like, I'm so mad at her. I don't even want to look at her. And then it kind of it becomes funny how like yeah. <laughs> every he time he walks, covering his face, he's covering <laughs> his face every time he walks by her, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? But um, there was a weird humor throughout too. It is kind of, yeah. kind of a really really dark comedy. Oh yeah, <laughs> just yeah. in in the premise too that a a hidden planet is cra- slowly crashing into the earth like that's a wild thing to balance in a serious movie yeah and it works for me but i could it see that as a complaint for some people i could definitely understand oh, yeah. if people are like this it's, it's disjointed but to me i'm like life's fucking ridiculous and scary yeah. <laughs> that's what i get from it life is yeah and then i don't know i like i like that the second time it kind of the second half kind of focuses on charlotte gainsburg's character Who's not very sympathetic, you know, you're not really. She wasn't. No. But I think then, yeah. seeing her try to work for work with her sister, I ended up sympathizing with her. Um, yeah. But yeah, she is. She's also pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty awful. And I always laugh a little bit in that scene where um, she's like, I think we could all, you know, be together on the balcony when it happens and maybe have a drink. And <laughs> Kirsten Dunst is like, you want to have a drink? 
you know what I think of that? I think you're a fucking idiot, or whatever she says, and then she's yeah. just crying, and it's like, I hate you so much sometimes. <laughs> I love that part, because I'm like, I just, the whole thing is like a cathartic, like, yeah, fuck you, yeah, you know? Don't, she deserved don't you that. dare. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost said this is greatler. Um, this is greatler. <laughs> Imagine Adam Adam Sandler in this movie as fucking Keeper Sutherland's character. Oh man! Do you know how much this cost? <laughs> you know how much this cost? <laughs> Shut up! Yeah. Oh, man. He does like a boohoo fake cry at her. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, that would be that would be something. Oh man. <laughs> Um, before we move on, I'll also mention All Good Things. It's a, it's a pretty underrated movie. It's pretty good. It's not, like, great, but it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's kind of based on Robert Durst. Mm. Um, it's the guy from, uh, I can't remember what that show was called. The, the Tick? The, I don't know what that was called. Um, but anyway, he, he basically, like, killed his wife and kind of got away with it for, for years. The Jinx, that's what the show was called. Right. Um, but he got away with it for so many years. This is not like this is a movie. This is the kind of movie where it's obviously based on that, but like they changed the names. Mm. So it's like, oh, I'm Charlie Smith, but it's like, yeah, you're Robert Durst. We all know who you are and who you're portraying. But um, it stars Ryan Gosling, and he's really good in it. And you know, Kirsten Dunst is pretty good in it. I mean, it's as good as you know. She 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 has layers to the character definitely, and that darkness kind of shines through where it seems like it's a broken kind of place that she's coming from. Because she, I mean, she got killed by her husband. I'm, I'm assuming the marriage wasn't you know fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there um, were there were some red flags. You think <laughs> some red flags? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, I I got to mention, I think Kristen Wiig and Nick Offerman are in this movie, and they're like actually like. Pretty, like Nick Offerman has like a scene where he breaks down and cries, and you're like, "Damn, Ron Swanson, what is going on? Like, you got this, some acting chops. Holy shit!" This is one I regret not getting to because I I saw the cast and I was like, "Shit, oh, yeah. I I will definitely end up watching this because I like everyone in this." Oh yeah, no, for sure. I'll uh I'll lend you the Blu-ray. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and then it's funny because the guy who directed it, he ended up making the show with, um. Robert J- uh, Robert Durst after he saw that movie I think after he saw this movie I think Robert Durst was like hey let's make a show and then on the show he like ended up kind of talking to himself and confessing or something like that so this movie wow. might be responsible for catching a murderer so that's that that makes the best list for that reason itself <laughs> they did good work they did good work guys um We'll talk about the supporting roles that she had later in her <clears throat> life, uh, in her career, later in her life. Jesus Christ, it makes it sound like she's like dead yeah. or something. <laughs> Fuck. Um, she's sorry, Kirsten. Um, yeah, so we're talking about On the Road, Two Faces of January, Midnight Special, Hidden Figures, and The Beguiled. Uh, you watched The Beguiled. Yeah. Alrighty. So I actually watched the Coppola movies backwards because I did The Beguiled first, Marie Antoinette second, and Virgin Suicides last. Oh, okay. And um, The Beguiled was not, like, it did not have that great of an impression on me at first. 
I think it's like I just felt like there weren't really scenes and it's something that I appreciated in Marie Antoinette and I appreciated in the version suicides more uh, but mm. in the beguiled it just felt like where's this going who should I care about I'm not connected to anybody however the moment um, there's going to be spoilers the moment when he gets his uh, his leg sawed off from that moment forward, I was in and I was on the edge of my seat. So I wish that had happened earlier, personally. But I think I also need to rewatch this movie now that I kind of got into that style. I might appreciate it more. I just didn't connect with the characters at all. Kirsten Dunst was, she played this like kind of, I don't know, a repressed. Snob, snobby teacher French teacher yeah and I thought she conveyed it well um but nothing stood out that much to me except for the, that yeah. last act that's the thing yeah and I was I was thinking about this and just in terms of like acting and whatnot and I was talking to um my girlfriend about it she's an actress and you know we're we're talking about that a little bit and I was saying the thing with acting is I feel like the thing that's really important is I don't like I think the the layers to the character is what makes it because like like you said like you believe her as the repressed teacher who's like maybe kind of lonely or kind of you know whatever but I don't know like I feel like that's like I I I will believe it if if you tell me like she's repressed then she's acting repressed I'll be like yeah but I think that the real like thing that solidifies somebody as like a great actress is like do I care? Do I do I want them to become more open? Do I want them to release that repression or yeah? Get what's rid of the it? arc? What's the arc here? You know, do they convey that well? Do they convey that well with um with a lack of that? And you know, in something like the Virgin Suicides, I think that she does. But this one, I don't know. This one kind of disappointed me because I don't really feel like anybody really stood out all that well. No. You know? feels like a movie of decent performances when it could when it should have been a movie with great performances yeah you know? there's so many good actors in this yeah, so many Nicole kidman one of my God. favorites yeah same yeah colin farrell Elle fanning the girl from the nice guys we were talking about earlier she's in this too yes yeah but nobody this captured just, me yeah it, it just i don't know and like i said she's not bad like she's she's good and I liked her, but I don't know. It just it was kind of like, eh. yeah, it was disappointing. Disappointing, yeah. I definitely would put it like if I were if I were to make a top ten list of her best movies, I would probably throw this on there. But um, it's well made. Yeah, it w- it's well made for sure. It it would be towards the top of that top ten list though, it, or at the bottom, I should say. Yeah, It'd be like number ten or an honorable mention, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also, I know you didn't get to see Two Faces of January or Midnight Special or like Hidden Figures on the Road. I didn't get to Hidden Figures or On the Road, which is disappointing because I did want to check those ones out. But um, I saw the Two Faces of January a few years ago, and I remember how I thought felt about it at the time. I liked the movie a lot, but Kirsten Dunst does not stand out. Um, it's not that she's bad. It's the fact that she's up against Viggo Mortensen and Oscar Isaac. Mm. 
and her it's part hard to keep not, up. Yeah, hard to keep up for a good actress. Um, I felt like a Charlize Theron could have done a better job. Um, it's pretty obvious that like she's one of my top five favorite actresses because I've only brought her up like eight times on this <laughs> podcast. Alone, she's good. So. We got to do her retrospective eventually. Oh, we will. That was. <laughs> I remember when we were making this podcast, I was like, we got to do an Adam Sandler episode. We got to do a Charlize Theron. I don't know why it popped in my head, but she was like the first one where it's like she, uh, we need to do her. We she's need so to good. Do her immediately, but um, I feel like she could have kept up with Viggo Mortensen, and Oscar Isaac because the character's just not that well written. You know, mm. she's. You need you know, to bring a little more than than that than on paper. Yeah, exactly. And I would say the same about Midnight Special, which is a pretty good movie, but it stars Michael Shannon, Joel Edgerton, Adam Driver, Sam Shepard, and Jaden Martell, who are like all excellent and have just amazing story arcs. And then what does? What does Kirsten Dunst play? The sad mother who's just yeah, my, my kid's a my kid's a superhero. I don't know what to do. He's he's uh he's got superpowers or whatever the fuck. I don't I don't know, you know? That's Damn. that was kinda her whole arc was meh, my 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 kid is bright burn or whatever the fuck. But like good, you know? <laughs> my kid's Superman basically. Um cool movie though, I would check it out. Okay. Um, and she's not bad. Again, she's not bad. I don't really think that she has many bad performances. I would even say I don't think she has any bad performances. I just think she has bland performances. Yeah. Which, personally, I find that worse than a bad performance. I would agree. Because I, yeah. I will laugh at a bad performance and I'll get something out of it. Yeah. But when I'm just not engaged because it's so plain, yeah. I... That's what made it so hard. Every every time I was putting on one of her movies, I was like, oh, here we go. And yeah. I, I would be surprised. I got surprised a few times because she did really well. But overwhelmingly, I was kind of like, yeah. I, I'm not going to buy a movie ticket just for her. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And that's what I mean, too. Like when I was talking about like, you know, like I believe I believe her in all these roles. I believe that she's a housewife who's, you know, got a. Got a kid who's a superhero, or I believe that she's married to Viggo Mortensen. I believe that she's a repressed teacher. I'm going to believe whatever the fuck. Like, I'm not going to... I'm never going to see a movie and someone's going to go, he's a limo driver, and I'm going to go, no, he isn't. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to do that, because that's just... That's stupid, but the thing is, is do I feel engaged? And a lot of the time, I'm not really that engaged mm -hmm. or impressed. I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, Yeah. Moving forward, before we get to her TV, which is going to be a good way to end off this podcast. Uh, yeah. She's got some good ones. But um, she directed a couple short films. I saw one of them. I saw this one called Welcome, which had um, Winona Ryder and John Hawks in it. Damn. Meh. Nah. You know? Meh. <laughs> I don't really <laughs> I don't really remember it all that well. I think it was like a horror thing and it just it felt like it just felt like someone had a mansion and Kirsten Dunst was like, Hey, could we like film a movie here? And John Hawks was like, Uh Well, yeah, I guess we can yeah, we can we can film it. Yeah. You got a script? It's like no, it's like don't worry about it. We'll do it on the day. We'll oh god. On the day. Yeah. So nothing stood just, out. 
I don't know if this was a horror short or if this was a comedy. I don't know what the fuck this thing was, but it wasn't that very, it wasn't really very good. Um, if, if, if I was watching it on my laptop and well, I was watching it on my laptop, but like if the power just went out and I, I stopped seeing it, would I try and find it again? No, no, I would have, I would have been like, ah, eh, I saw four minutes of it. I feel like I saw a good amount, you know? Okay. Yeah. That's um, disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I just I, I think she's more of an actress than a director, but um yeah, that's what I would say. Now we're getting into the really good stuff. Yeah. She's got some great success on TV with Fargo and On Becoming a God in the Central Florida. She's been nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical and a TV series for both of these shows. I think she deserved both nominations. Yes. 100%. I loved Fargo. So my plan going in oh, was yes. to watch three episodes of her season of Fargo and three episodes of On Becoming a God in Central Florida. And I yes. just ended up watching all of Fargo because I was Amazing. so enthralled by it. And oh, she really is like the center of that story. Like it's... Oh, yeah. A, there was one episode, I think, that her and um, Jesse Plemons weren't in. And that was yeah. the only episode that dragged for me. That was the only episode where I was like, all right, wrap it up. I, I'm not into this anymore. And then they come yeah. back and I'm like, perfect. That made me realize yeah. how great she is in that. Yeah. And this is what I mean. Like with Sofia Coppola saying there's a darkness to her. Mm-hmm. 100%. There is a darkness to her right here. Because, I don't know, man. I kind of get a vibe that she's a little bit of a sociopath in this movie. Yeah. She's got some fucking issues, you know. Because she hits, is it Kieran Culkin with her car? Kieran Culkin, I think. I think right? that's his name, yeah. Yeah. I never know which brother it is. That Macaulay Culkin's got like five brothers, and I'm like, which one is it? Um I think Rory Culkin was in like Scream 4 or some shit. I don't know. Scriform. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so um basically that's kind of how I felt. Um I I really like her in the show. I think that she's great and I care about her, even though I probably shouldn't. I probably should be like, you should fucking go. But she plays crazy really well, but not in a way that's just, like, tacky and over the top. No, I understood where she's coming from. And, like, because yeah. she's so naive that she thinks she's going to get in trouble, and it really yeah. only gets worse from there. Exactly. Um, and then on Becoming a God in Central Florida, I only saw the first two episodes, but... Um, I really like her in the show. And I, I I bought the first three episodes. I'll probably watch the third one at some point. Um, it's not my favorite show because the other characters surrounding her are really fucking annoying. Mm. Um, so it's hard to sit through. Um, but And then also Alexander Skarsgård plays her husband in this, like a little melancholia. Again. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really like him all that much. I, don't, I, I He's, you know what's funny is that uh, a couple episodes ago, I talked about Jason Schwartzman and how I don't really like him. I actually really dug him in Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Um, so now I kind of like him a little bit. Now I don't like Alexander Skarsgård. So I'm sure two episodes from now, we're going to talk about him and I'm going to be like, oh, now I like him and now I hate somebody else. So <laughs> at I don't the know. moment, it's Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, he's never stood out to me. Yeah. He just kind of always blends into the rest of like that leading man type. Yeah, and this is like a comedy series, so he's doing like funny stuff, but I think he's trying like way too hard, and which is something I didn't like. So that was something that kind of bugged bugged me a little bit. But um, yeah, um, here's my my I got two questions about her TV series. Um, mm-hmm. One, 
Do you think she should have won for Fargo? I don't remember who she was up against that year, but I, I do. Who was it? <laughs> she, uh, Lady Gaga won for American Horror Story. Right. Hotel. I mean, she's done good work and won one for her performances, but like Fargo was just in ter- <sighs> within the context of the rest of her career too. She took mm-hmm. once again, that dissatisfied housewife who wants something more out of life. Um, she took that and spun it on its head in a completely different way, in a funny way yeah. this time. In a funny way. Yeah. And it was, it will, I still care about her too. Like she has everything that she's good at and more. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I gotta say, she does an accent in Fargo, and she does an accent in on, on Becoming a God in Central Florida. She's, like, really good at accents, it seems, which is interesting to me, because that's it's a important. hard thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think she should have won, personally, because I saw American Horror Story Hotel, and meh. Um, I didn't watch that season, but I do remember the Gaga thing was, like, a huge part of the marketing, and, like, uh, it seemed gimmicky, maybe. I don't know. She could have been fine in it, though. Yeah, I, I saw it. She's she. I mean, she was good, but I just I think Kirsten Dunst was better. You know, Lady Gaga was good, but Kirsten Dunst was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we kind of move on to just some of the roles that she had, real quick, there's only a few of them, so we'll say that before we get into our last um, ranking and whatnot. But um, there seems to be some actors who are just more successful on TV than they are in movies. What do you think that is exactly? Because I find that kind of interesting to look into. I think, at least with Dunst, she's good with a character who has a lot of layers, right? Mm -hmm. But those layers are, they can be hard to convey in just like a 90-minute, two-hour movie. So if you give her more time, more episodes, and let her do something like Fargo, which is basically a 10-hour movie, you get a lot more out of it. That's very true. Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, she's just getting a lot more time to, like, get comfortable and whatnot. And, I mean, like, I know the shooting process of a TV show is way different than a movie because it's, like, a movie you can do, like, how many takes? You can do 30, 40 takes. Yeah, if you're a Kubrick. A TV show is, like, you get three and then you're you're done. Yeah, and, um, and often, like, shooting very out of order. Like, you could be shooting scenes that are, you know, 10 episodes apart. So you got to yeah, you got to situate yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think, I think she does a great job in TV shows. And hey, if she's having a lot of success in TV, um, I'm happy. I'm happy for her. And I might not, like you said earlier, you might not pay $10 to see uh, a movie with her in it. But if she's on a TV show, I'll watch it. Yeah. I'm sold on that too. I'm definitely going to get to Central Florida. And yeah, Fargo was awesome. Fargo was so fucking good. Oh, man. Still, it pisses me off to this day that she did not win Best Actress in a Comedy. What's even? Oh, in a miniseries. That's what it was. It was it was a comedy for On Becoming a God, but it was miniseries for Fargo. I'm just thinking now because, I mean, like, American Horror Story, not really a... Well, it wasn't intentionally a comedy, but, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, not the greatest. Um we were just about to wrap up, but I just want to shoot out some roles that she almost had just before we finish. Um, so these are some roles that she almost played. Uh, she almost played Penny in Almost Famous, which went to Kate Hudson. 
She almost played Angela Hayes in American Beauty, which went to Mina Suvari. I think that's how you say her name. The girl from um, American Pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she played almost played Daisy in The Brown Bunny, which went to Chloe Savigny. Savigny? I don't know how you say her name. but And she almost played Ivy Elizabeth Walker in The Village, which went to Bryce Dallas Howard. That's interesting because I always felt like Bryce Dallas Howard would have been a better MJ. So... Yeah, some so other I, exec then, has thought that. Yeah, and then I was also I think we were talking about this while we were watching Wimbledon is I thought Kate Hudson could have been a cool MJ as well. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they both the two people that we think might have been better MJs uh got roles that she almost had, you know? Yeah. There's something there. Yeah. Um I haven't seen The Brown Bunny or The Village. The only thing I know about The Brown Bunny is I think Chloe Sevigny and Vincent Gallo like have sex on screen or something like, like actually real? have sex well in that movie so i don't know i don't know if kirsten dunst was you know ready to go down on the gallo train um <laughs> that was so much that was so much dirtier than I, I anticipated i didn't mean for it to come out that dirty um i apologize but look i've seen almost famous and i love american beauty it's one of my favorite movies um yeah, I, I don't think I would change a thing about American Beauty. Yeah. In terms of like casting. I, yeah, I think about it and... Eh, I don't know, because... Look, Kirsten Dunst might be kind of bland sometimes, but I would never call her a blank slate. There's definitely something there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something there, like the, we talked about the darkness behind her eyes. There's something there that I just... I know that... There's a little more to her than just meets the eye, but I feel like Mina Suvari was a little bit better. I'm not saying she's a blank slate. I'm just saying maybe she was better at being this character that um, Lester Burnham kind of was able to take and just kind of place his own views and opinions on and whatnot. Right. Um, because you just seemed she. I, I'm not saying the actress is a blank slate. I'm saying that she maybe played a character that could be seen as a blank slate. Yeah, an um, object of just like projection. Yeah, and desire and all that. Yeah, and then Penny and Almost Famous. Well, Kate Hudson was nominated for like an Oscar and Golden Globe for this role, so I really wouldn't change anything there. Yeah, I think Kate Hudson did a great job in that movie, and yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, just before we wrap up, let's talk about our three favorite Kirsten Dunst performances. Uh, yes, or movies, yeah. we should say. Okay. Well, honorable mention, we're not going to put, you know, uh, the shows, of course. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at movies. Uh, but yeah. I'm going to... I have to put Fargo in the honorable mentions because... 100%. I think we both agree. She's That's, in my opinion, probably her best performance. Or at least my favorite. Maybe not her, her best, but my favorite. I would say it's probably my favorite two, not counting my number one. Yeah, that's that's um, what I was thinking. Yeah, but I I definitely would say it's her best because it's it's like a leading thing almost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, supporting is definitely harder, and I think that might be a harder thing to do. But also, she's just fucking awesome in Fargo. So yeah, yeah, she's fun. She's her so her fun. role in Fargo is fun magnetic like I, I i'm glued to the screen with every scene she's in 100 percent. for my three best even though i have in the past poo-pooed her as mj i do think her performance in spider-man 3 
is pretty solid, and that movie has a soft spot in my heart. So so does it with me. I, you know, I, I like I love it too. So like, yeah, it's not great, but I, no. I do love it. And I just realized too, it's the second time I've put it on one of my lists. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, episode. yeah, you really seem to like this movie a lot. So that's my campaign. Spider-Man Three is awesome. Thank you, Kirsten Dunst, for bringing some kind oh. of dimension to that character for the third oh, yeah. one, because it Especially sure as hell a, wasn't there a movie before. That wasn't great, you know. Yeah, I think that says a lot about her. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't need a, to be in a great movie to be good. Hmm. Um. It might not belong next to number two, however which is Marie Antoinette because she does really well. That whole dissatisfied, yeah, like spoiled, dissatisfied, directionless, opulent. I I found that performance a lot of fun and maybe not relatable because she's royalty, but understandable in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, 100%. Um, Yeah, I I really love um, that performance as well. I that would definitely be on my best list if I was making like a like a top five or even yeah top ten or even a top five. It would probably make the cut. And then my number one is Melancholia because that feels like the ultimate conclusion of her best abilities as an as a performer. Mm -hmm. She just takes it everything she's done well in the past and just takes it even further that movie was a great vehicle for her performance and it's just a beautiful movie and she fits right into it oh yeah phenomenal uh yeah makes me want to watch a little bit more Lars von Trier stuff um, same but I, I regularly have that feeling and then right before <laughs> i put on one of his movies i'm like mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the only reason i watched melancholia was because i rented this on itunes and it the rental is good for 30 days and then i got a notification being like it's about to expire so you better watch it and i was like fuck okay <laughs> let's uh let's turn off the lights let's let's get the depression going here let's uh yeah <laughs> let's watch this sad 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 movie um i would take all of your three and i would definitely put them in the honorable mentions um i would also say fargo honorable mention um would definitely be at least number two on my list uh, if we were counting TV shows. And I'll also say On Becoming a God in Central Florida is great. Um, and then her, her other honorable mentions, I would say The Beguiled even, because mm. uh, I, I liked it. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, I can kind of appreciate it. Right. Um, as well as All Good Things. Hey, caught a murderer. So you got to give her some credit for that, you know? Yeah. Um. And uh, Interview with a Vampire, because that's what started the whole thing. So you got to talk about that. For number three, I was between... I was I almost went Bring It On, but I liked Dick a little bit more, just because I thought it was just a fun movie. Um, I've seen so many of Will Ferrell's movies, too, that, like, I, I, it's not really... I don't really get to see any new 90s Will Ferrell, you know? I've kind of seen all of his movies. Yeah. So this is, like, his SNL days... He's in a movie. He's playing kind of a straight man, and you know, but it's not even him that makes this movie because he doesn't show up until about forty-five minutes into it. Right. Um, what carries the movie is Kirsten Dunst and Michelle William playing these ditzy, but really lovable and cute um, girls who you know become dog walkers for fucking Dick Nixon. So <laughs> there you go. 
Number two, the virgin suicides. Um, yeah. Just making a great performance out of something that you don't really... She doesn't really have a lot of lines, so it's really hard to make that work, but she does a great job of it. It's an awesome And number movie. one is a great, great movie that a lot of people love. Um, I need to watch it again because I just... It's always a movie I want to go back to. I maybe don't love it as much as I want to, but I, I think the more you see it, the more you appreciate it. And I think one day I will love this movie. Uh, man, I want to watch it right now. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Just making a great supporting role and just doing everything that she can with it and making this character fleshed out the way that she should be, but also bringing more to it. Um, I think that it's a... It's the ult. It's one of the. I wouldn't say it's the ultimate Kirsten Dunst performance. I think Fargo is the ultimate. But in terms of supporting performances, this is definitely one of the best. Yeah. Um, I think of the century so far. So. Oh yeah. That's where I stand with Miss Kirsten Dunst. Definitely um, a good actress. Yes. Yes. I right. don't hate her as much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Fargo is awesome. Fargo is awesome. Yeah, so that's it, folks. Thank you for listening. You can find us at halconmedia.com, and we also have Instagram now. It's at Greg and Matt Movie Chat. Uh, all one word. Greg and Matt Movie Chat. So check us out there. Don't miss us on YouTube or Spotify or Podbean. Next week, we're talking about Knives Out, comparing it to Gosford Park, so don't miss it. Till next time. <laughs>